0: You're about to listen to the Complete Developer Podcast. The podcast by coders, for coders, about all aspects of life as a developer.
1: I'm Will, the curmudgeonly experienced developer. And I'm Beach, the optimistic newbie developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. A
0: resume by any other name would be a curriculum vita. This week, we're delving into our series on how to interview well. We'll actually start this particular episode a bit ahead of the interview itself by discussing how to craft your resume so that you can both get an interview and succeed while interviewing. But before we get started,
1: Will, what have you been fighting this week? I, well, okay, my family is out of town. Um, they, go, they go to the beach with my in-laws and some other families and it's it's just too many people for me so I don't I don't go. I mean it's like 25 30 people in two houses that're stuck together. And oh, wow, that's, that's a lot of people. Way too. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not 25. It's it's north of 20 and less than 30. It's mm-hmm. somewhere in that range depending on who all comes and I need quiet space. So I don't go. Anyway, they're at the beach and they have been since Friday. It's Monday now. And of course, this weekend, you and I went and played pool, mm-hmm. um, which which was pretty entertaining in a lot of aspects. <laughs> um, well,
0: I, I have to say, Aaron and I have been trying to get Will to come play pool with us for
1: months now, and, and then they realized just how terrible I am. Like, we're all, you actually were better you, than us? So, uh, no, well. For the first couple of beers, I was better.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh,
1: after that, I don't think you were paying as much attention or you would have realized that that quality went south really fast. Um, but anyway, I've been, you know, family's been out of town. So, like, I've i have been reworking stuff, you know, with my, my computers here, trying to get caught up on everything. Um, you know, I had a bunch of stuff I put off until after Music City Code. Mm-hmm now i'm trying to do that i'm also following up with people so like you're waiting for something from me well hopefully by the time this episode comes out you'll have it but they're they're like my punch list just kind of got out of hand you know my personal branding punch list was already oversized so i'm catching up on all that and then i'm binge watching game of thrones while i'm doing it because i can actually go and watch the tv Nice, because there isn't somebody sitting in front of it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's uh, that's what I've been doing. You know, like I get a crick in my neck because I, you know, I fell asleep on the couch at some point, which I never do.
0: You know, it's funny. I did that last night. I was watching TV and my back was kind of bugging me. I'd gotten a massage and they'd kind of worked out just enough to make it sore. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm going to lay down because so I'm watching um, the game and I'm like I kind of want to lay down. So I laid down
1: and woke up five or six this morning oh this was i mean i don't think i fell asleep for more than about 15 minutes but something just really i think what between c4 and c5 yeah it's it's off and i can tell and there's not a whole lot i can do about it so yeah i'm I'm basically just i'm just working a crap ton Mm -hmm. right now because there's there's nobody in the house to remind me that i need to do something else good point so here we are so how about you
0: Well, I've been fighting with microservices and transferring files. We're trying to take a PDF that's created in a report and then send that via email to the customer. I worked on it all morning and finally figured out that the issue was with .NET Web API controllers, um, it serializes everything to JSON. So even if you're trying to return a byte array, it'll serialize it and turn it to hex right. and clip it. And so we had to switch to an MVC controller to send a file content result. Once we did that,
1: now did it when it t- converted it to hex, did it also, I don't know if you looked, but did it also like base64 encode it? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I hate those kind of problems because he, well so because it, you know, the thing is is it's not that substantial of a problem but you just it makes me mad because it like hits you and you, you you fight with it and then you look at it after like 30 minutes and you're like oh I'm an idiot like and that's how you feel every time and you will for the rest of your career when you deal with the coding <laughs> issues
0: Yeah well when, what I finally figured out was I could talk to the the report server directly Um, by putting in my own credentials, uh, running it locally. And what I got back from that, when I serialized that byte array, it gave me one thing that was different from what I was getting back from the service that was supposedly doing the exact same thing and just sending me the byte array instead of publishing it.
1: Oh, so you figured out it lies sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's always... It's always wonderful. It's like, you know, we, we don't have AI, but we have very fast liars Yeah, now. Well, <laughs> it won't be long. <laughs> well, since you mentioned
0: binge-watching TV, I'd just like to state that after years and years of being told by friends to watch it, I finally started on Lost. Nice. I'm also re-watching the first season of Dark Matter, which if you haven't seen that, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'll check, it to it check that one out. Yeah. Um, And, of course, I'm absolutely loving the new season of Doctor Who. Pearl Mackey is a perfect match for Capaldi's Doctor. It's just great. Honestly, I wish she'd been with him the whole run. I never liked him and Clara. I thought Clara was was great with Matt Smith, but with Capaldi, it was just like a bad breakup the whole time she was there. It was like when you, you have the same set of friends, and you break up, but you try to hang out in the same social circles.
1: Oh, that's awkward. That's like yeah. a Ben Stiller movie.
0: Yeah, it was It was really, yeah.
1: So cringeworthy.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Also, I think I pushed myself a little too far this evening on my workout.
1: No. <laughs> you think? Well, I feel faint. <laughs> no, you didn't really say that, but you were... Uh you weren't doing so hot when you came in. <laughs> Actually, it was like after, you know, you were you were a little bit like winded when you came in, but then when you sat down and like five minutes later, you're still just, you're like almost wheezing and just, you were hosed, man. I was, well, I, I didn't think have, we were going to be able to record tonight.
0: I do have exercise induced asthma and I think I pushed myself to the point of inducing.
1: Uh, so you were like piggy on Lord of the
0: Flies. <laughs> <laughs> thought about that in a long time (laughs) i will say this even though i was out of breath for quite a while i did get 100 one arm swings in with the 24 kilo nice so that's pretty cool but uh speaking of exercising and lifting i have something kettlebell weightlifting related for iot so let's go ahead and roll the music this week for iot's i have a product called the beast sensor now this is a sensor that is built for the weight room it includes an accelerometer gyroscope compass and acquisition frequency sensor it connects with your smartphone via bluetooth to track your lifting and give you motivation to keep improving i'll have a link to that in the show notes who's talking to us this week
1: Uh, Well, we got an email from Tom Stymus, hoping I'm getting that right. says, hey guys, I've been listening to the podcast for about a month now and really enjoy the show. Happy to know and listen to a podcast that covers so many things that I struggle with, both technically and career-wise, is out there to help. I was hoping you guys would help me in constructing a learning path that I could follow. He goes on to give us a few uh, personal details about his life and we didn't, you know you know, share every th- everybody's details in public. Um, if this was an offensively stupid request, then I appreciate the time you took to read it and hope the best for you guys. God bless.
0: I want to say thanks for the kind words, Tom. I would suggest taking a look at something like Free Code Camp. We have a few friends that have done that. Or one of the other online learning programs just to get started.
1: So I guess typically what I would do as far as coming up with a career path, for most people, they don't have a direction. And so they're better off just starting moving. Um, And I think, you know, judging by what he said here to some degree, that's kind of what he's going to have to do. He's, he's pushing um, to try to get the general comp sci stuff down. um, So, and so he can use it without the, the burdens of academia. And I, I, this actually speaks to me a lot because I had to do that after college. Um, Because even though I went through that stuff, like the way that they explain things in a college class, doesn't allow you to apply it very well Mm -hmm. and it, and it doesn't make you viscerally understand it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And so I I would say the biggest thing is to, you know, it would be to try different things, um, you know, like try different programming concepts. Like, you know, if you're like, for instance, if you're looking at like algorithm efficiency and you need to do the same, you know, try to do the same operation at different levels of efficiency to, to get that, to get that visceral understanding of it because then you're not going to care, right? Like if it's big O of N versus big O of N squared, like you know, which one's bigger. You don't necessarily have to quantify it the mathematical way. Mm
0: -hmm. And you know, it's interesting because you kind of taught me that way or guided my self teaching that way. And I have a few coworkers that are self taught and a few that have been through the typical computer science programs. And we get together and we have a dev chat every week, and sometimes these kind of things get brought up in that conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the other thing too: is getting around other people that um, can explain these things in a down-to-earth manner. Because, like, you do not want a computer science textbook for this. Um, mm-hmm. I have a book on algorithms. I I don't think I let you borrow it because I did not want you to have it. You um, told me that I could
0: because I asked you. About I it. told you it sucked. You told me I could borrow it after I understood it.
1: Right. After you didn't need it anymore. Yeah. So that you could realize why oh, it's, it's very easy to come out of a computer science program somewhat crippled as far as your ability to actually do computer science. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know of a good way to, to – it, it, they just are not very good about putting things in a clear way. Um, and yeah. I've noticed the same thing with a lot of disciplines like uh, neural nets you know, or, um, you know, gene expression programming, like some of the, you know, the machine learning type stuff, like the, the real low level implementations of it. If you read a book on this, they make it completely impossible to understand it. Whereas if you have somebody that can't do all that math, explain gene expression programming, they're going to, they're going to use, you know, metaphor and allegory and that kind of thing and and get the, the point across how those pieces move. And so I think that's what you need to go for. Like, you know, look, look in Google for how would you explain this to a layperson? You know, ask that question that way.
0: You know, or go with some of the, at least to get started. What I did was I started off with some of the tutorials that were very basic, very, all right, we're going to build something and assume you know nothing yeah, about it. And then build from there. You remember the calculator? Yeah. We joke about it all the time, but that's what I did there. Yeah, the the blog, that's what I did with that. Very soon after doing that that blog with uh, MVC and in Hibernate and a lot of .NET stuff, I got my first job, and I'm using a lot of stuff from that. Actually, the first few months I was there, I had that bookmarked, and I would go back to that tutorial. Yep. Just to read through some things and remind me how to do certain things.
1: Yeah. And, you know, but I would, I would definitely, you know, I would definitely push him towards getting the visceral understanding because that's the win. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what they're trying to give you in a computer science class. Oh. Um, now, bear, bear in mind, this is from a guy that got all the way through all the stuff, got out of college like all the math stuff started clicking, you know, you and I were talking about that the other day, the idea that numbers are not things, they're symbols of things that didn't click for me until after college, you know, like at a visceral level, like, you know what the teacher told you, but being able to just go, Oh, duh. Like that never happened. Or, you know, um, the, the idea that like actually being able to apply things like logarithms, you know, and really just fundamentally understand that and, and use it and just go through my day That didn't happen until after college. So I I would push for that.
0: Yeah. And Tom, again, thanks. Send us another email with your contact information because we have a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus and LinkedIn. We're also on Path and Tumblr. Do you guys want to meet us? And here we'll speak on why your DBA hates your ORM. Come down to Huntsville, Alabama for DevSpace Conference, North Alabama's premier polyglot technology conference. In addition to Will, you'll be able to hear talks on .NET, JavaScript, C++, and lots more. DevSpace is October 13th and 14th this year. Tickets are on sale now. And to get a 10% discount, use the code COMPLETEDEV. Or follow the link in the show notes. Again, that's DevSpace in Huntsville, Alabama on October 13th and 14th.
1: A solid resume not only gets your foot in the door, but it also sets the tone for an interview. And that second part is the part everybody forgets, by the way. In addition to helping the interviewer shape their questions about you, a well-crafted resume puts you in control of how the interviewer perceives your value, how they ask about that value, and can also change their perception of the way that you answer their questions.
0: So we've broken this down into about five different categories we're going to talk about. The difference between a resume and a CV, how the resume filtering process works, what should be in your CV or curriculum vita, uh, what should be in your resume, and then how to make it stand out. Getting started, we're going to talk about the difference between a resume and a curriculum vita.
1: Yeah, and this is something I think a lot of people really struggle with. I know I did because my early resumes, in fact, probably some that are still floating around in different places, are actually a CV. Mm -hmm. It's an exhaustive brain dump of just all the different stuff I've done. And, you know, it's not really good marketing material.
0: Well, I remember my understanding of the difference came, I guess it was our freshman year of college. Might have been right before it, but it was... When my dad was looking for a new job, he'd been at the same church for about 14 years and had decided to start looking for a new position. He'd kind of been there kind of as long as he could, done a lot of good work, and was ready to move to another place. And he was working on his CV. And I came in, and I had been applying for jobs for the summer and stuff like that and had a resume. I saw what he was working. I was like, wow, your resume is huge. Yeah. And he was like, no, this isn't a resume. Was like, this is a curriculum vita. This is everything. Because I asked, I was like, why are you putting when you worked at um, a car dealership on there? Yeah. You know, Cause it's that was, all the stuff
1: and it's, and judging by the resumes I've seen come across my desk um, at different points when I've been on the hiring side, I think a lot of developers don't necessarily grasp the dis- difference as well as they should if they want to succeed.
0: A resume is hopefully a short document that lays out the value you can provide to a company based on the experience you have. And the hopefully part is people don't do this as yeah. much as they should.
1: Well, and I think, I think honestly, like the fundamental problem is that most people are really bad at marketing, um, especially some marketers. Uh, well, <laughs> you know. th- the thing is, this
0: is. This needs to be something that very quickly and briefly highlights what you have to offer that gets you from the pile of resumes to go through into the pile to interview. Yeah,
1: it's the it's the guy outside with a sign, not the shelves in the store.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of people really, really miss that to their detriment. No, and it's- to the detriment of everybody that has to read those <laughs> huge, freaking CVs, please don't do this to anybody, even if you hate them. Like, if you hate them, kick them in the shin. Don't give them your CV. <laughs> so a CV is a large document that
0: lists every bit of experience that might be useful to someone somewhere. This could even be courses you took in college.
1: Yeah. Like it it is super detailed. Charitable works, who you worked for, here's their contact info. I mean I've seen I've seen so much stuff in some of those that I mean it's it's impressive. Like I, I legitimately think this person knows how to type. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. That's a start for a coder, but maybe not the one you want to give me if you're trying to go for a
0: Well, let's know. let's just say um I have seen some stuff
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've seen things <laughs> you weren't there man
0: <laughs> well uh, let's just say i have seen some resumes that were more like curriculum venus but circling back around you should have both
1: yes you know go, going into a, a little bit further the way i look at the cv is that is like your database and your resume is a select query for a particular person. In other words, a, it's a projection of a subset yeah. of the values in there that is tailored to the specific audience.
0: Wouldn't that be nice if there was a service that you could just put in all your information and then you put in a few keywords about the employer and it produces the resume for you based on your, all you know, your information?
1: Yeah, we should build that. Or somebody else should. If, if, you're, do, if you're doing that, like totally let us know.
0: Yeah, we may bring you on the show. Talk yeah. Talk
1: about it. <laughs> yeah. Talk about how ideas that seem easy maybe aren't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Will and I, neither one of us really give out our curriculum vitas unless specifically asked for it.
1: Yeah, or if you're working with a recruiter and it's like, hey, I can trust them to, to do the thing mm-hmm. and I don't want to do the thing, then I'm totally in favor of labor saving here. But I don't like to give it out because of... I know what kind of biases it creates in me when I see that from somebody else. And so, I don't want to create that in other people.
0: Well, usually, if you're going to be asked for your CV or give out your CV, it won't be the first thing you send to the company.
1: It'll be- It's a while in.
0: Yeah. It's like your second or third round of interviews yeah. that they want to know, okay, well,
1: what all have you done? Um, I will say, though, that if you look at my LinkedIn profile, which I think I'm connected to a crap ton of our listeners at this point, it does look a lot more like a CV. And the reason is is because I don't know who that's going to. Yeah. I want it to be found. Well, I don't really want it to be found right now. Like, don't take that that way. But yeah. should I decide at some point that I do want it to be found, I want it to be findable and, and there.
0: When you were looking for a job, you wanted that to be found. Right. But you don't have things that you don't want to do on there, right? Do um, <laughs> like you have experience with VB six, you probably don't have much of that on there, do you? Yeah, I can. Haven't I haven't mean, looked I can, at your your LinkedIn a I can in a while. port
1: VB six. Like I don't, I don't hate it, and I can troubleshoot it. Yeah. Um, but I, I tell you, what is it going to be on there? Um, the Advantage Database, FoxPro, PHP. I don't really hate PHP, but it, it wasn't my thing. You know, it just it wasn't my jam. Um, whereas like Fox pro, yes, I absolutely hate Fox pro and the advantage database, um, which is ancient. And I don't know any, I only know of one company actually using that. Like, I don't, I don't want to mess with that again. So those, if it's on there, it's like, oh yeah, this included this and I survived it because, you know, if you say it that way, it's like saying I survived a plane crash, AKA, I don't want to hit the ground at 200 miles an hour again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have got to couch these things. <laughs> so talking about filtering your CV to make your resume, your resume is using the filtering process at jobs.
1: Right. Um, and it's important to understand how this typically works. Okay. First of all, if you're, if you're in software development or if you're in it, there's a lot of people trying to get into this. Um, and a lot of them are frankly not qualified. Um, anybody that has done, if you don't believe me, find somebody that you know, that gives interviews to junior developers. To alleged junior air quotes developers. You, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. There's, there's a lot of people that are wanting to get into the field um, that don't, you know, they want to get a first job when they don't have the experience, uh, you know, enough to, to get by, um, or that just want the money and think that they can wing it. And as a result, what happens is you'll get, you might get to 300 resumes for something. And there's two people in there that are qualified, mm-hmm. right? So you, it's it's like a database query. You know, if you ever look at, and th- I'm really dating myself by saying this, but back in the day, what you typically had to do was is you had to think about how the query got processed and say, okay, I want to cut this data set down as fast as I can, and then work. You know, the more expensive query operations, I work with a smaller set. This is what your HR manager is having to do.
0: Yeah, I understand, and you know. Sometimes this can work for you. Sometimes this can work against you. Like when I applied for one position, they wanted two years of experience. And I had almost two years of experience. So I said I had one to two years, which included two in it. Yeah. Which as a developer, I think that includes two. So two is a part of this. Right. Uh, They wanted two to three years. Yeah. And so because I selected the wrong one, it never made it past that point.
1: Yeah, the other thing that'll happen, too, is that they get these pools of resumes, and so they go, hey, we have a Java job, and we have a JavaScript job. Guess what happens if you do JavaScript?
0: You get in the Java pool.
1: Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, the Java pool has been peed in. Um, <laughs> mostly by JavaScript developers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... Like so, you gotta you gotta think about how they're go- how they are essentially processing this query because you want to screw around with the optimization so that you always go through. That's the way you build your resume. So the first thing that they do tends to be non-human. In other words, a machine filters it. Um, this is why you gotta kind of stuff keywords in there, but not too much, just enough to get through the machine. So that, I mean, the, the big thing is they're they're aiming to disqualify as many people as quickly as possible, and they're okay with with Disqualifying a few people that shouldn't be versus spending a whole bunch of time filtering through.
0: Well, it's like the idea of the justice system is they would rather, the concept, I should say, is they yeah. would rather a guilty man go free than an innocent man get punished. Yeah. No, that's the the intent of the justice system. It doesn't work Now, whether, always work whether that way. that's what
1: happens now, we, we <laughs> don't want to get into that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what they're doing. So you got to you got to th- think about it like that. Now, this can nail you, like we talked about before. If you have a tech that's on your resume and you don't want to do it anymore, this can get you because it'll it'll get filtered and you show up on somebody's radar, especially like really big companies that have a lot of openings. That you know they're not targeting this filtering as well as you would think. Depending on where you are and how large the company. Yeah, I'm talking like Fortune 50.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I work for the state. I know from talking to people who came in just to get their foot in the door doing technologies they did not want to continue doing. Yeah. They came in, they worked for a year or two doing that, and then they moved to another de- department or they moved up within their department. To a position doing other things.
1: Yeah, I guess the thing is, you want it to be your strategy and not a strategy imposed on you. If yes, you can help exactly.
0: It. If and this is where it, this is where filtering for the company you're applying to. If you know, hey, they've got 50 PHP positions open
1: and two .NET positions, then you don't mention PHP if you don't want to do it.
0: No, but if you are, if you really want to work there, and you don't mind doing PHP for a year or two, and then being promoted from within. Yeah. Like, it, it, this is more of a strategy for earlier on when you're just trying to get that
1: job. Yeah. Especially that first right. job. Yeah, the first one is always really, really rough. And I think I was probably pretty lucky yeah. on that one.
0: Well, I um, say the first one, the f- because you wouldn't have experience doing PHP if it was your first job.
1: Well, uh, you might, because you did it in high school. or well, do, Yeah, but, but yeah. you wouldn't
0: have job experience right. doing it. So, like, I, I shouldn't say first job, maybe first few jobs. But, like, or if it is... You move somewhere and you've got my get a second job,
1: job yeah. was was a situation where it was like okay yeah I you know I can go do this I've done .net you know, I'd done like a year and some change on .net you know full time and then I'd done stuff in college but before that I did VB um, you know all the way back to was it version 4, 16 bit and I had done some Fox Pro and I'd done some Access and so I get this job that's supposedly a .net job and guess what I got to do. <laughs> I got to do Access VBA and VB4, and that sucked. Um, but so you, I guess the thing here is like you have to figure out what your, what kind of jobs at that company you want to be filtered for, and tailor your resume accordingly. Like be intentional.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if it's one of those things where you've been, you've been struggling to get a .NET job. Yeah because there's not that many where you're living like you're not in Nashville like you're in Atlanta yeah <laughs> and apparently yeah so you you may have to take a job you know doing something that you don't exactly want to do at a company that ha- that hires a few developers doing the thing you want to do and then work your way up from within
1: yeah that is that is a strategy to use well and i think yeah you know, I, I think i've often wondered if you know if we were to ever take this podcast and make it not about software development. It would be a podcast about intentionality. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because that's, that's like an overriding principle. It's like, it's okay to do what you do, but do it mm-hmm. like, and, and do it on purpose. And, and that's, that's kind of what we're getting at here.
0: A lot of the stuff that we talk about is about doing, doing things with a purpose. It yeah. seems to be just an overriding theme. Like we talked
1: about goals before yeah. as a the theme of this year. It is very strange that we've done that. And I guess that's...
0: That's just where we it's are. It's just fallen out. Yeah. yeah it's, it's who we are.
1: Um, now, the other thing is, is once you get past that first level screening, now you get into the second level. And that tends to be a little bit more human intervention. So you'll have people that have a, a pile of candidate resumes that pass the first test and they flip through it and they might be looking for something like, okay, anybody that doesn't have a CS degree can't do this job. Um, there's a pretty wide industry perception that a CS degree is necessary. I think that is complete and utter garbage. Plus a few choice adjectives insulting people's family line, family history, and destination after their demise. I think that is unbelievably dumb, but we we have that.
0: Mind you guys, this is coming from the guy with the CS right. degree. Um, the guy without the CS degree in the industry agrees 100% that you know, unless you're doing something – yeah. Like the stuff that our friend Andre does. Yeah, but
1: I couldn't do that either. <laughs> CS degree or not, I can barely understand it when he talks about it. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but you know that there, there's that perception. So you'll have companies that flip through that, or they'll flip through and they go, "Hey, has this person worked in this industry?" Because there's a lot of industries that go, "Okay, I'm, I'm really special." You know, like has this person ever worked in healthcare? Well,
0: You see, that, now that's a funny thing because I was going to use my medical background. As As leverage. As leverage to be like, hey, I already know the terms. I already know this stuff. I don't have to learn that side of it. It's not, I don't have to learn your industry because I already know it. And then I end up working for the government because, well, I had this interview that was really awesome and got hired onto a team that rocks.
1: But- Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is you're used to Byzantine and complex systems. Yeah. So really- They hired based on expertise. It just wasn't the expertise you thought you were providing. Um, But they will look through stuff like that. Or they'll go, hey, is this person, you know, do they seem like they might understand computer graphics? Um, You know, I got, you know, my job that I have right now, the fact that I've done low-level Windows graphics programming helped a ton. Which is hilarious to me because do you remember when we were roommates? The graphics programming class that I took that I got an incomplete on. I remember this. And never finished it. Mm -hmm. Basically just dropped it. I mean, I I can obviously do it. Mm -hmm. But the class and the reality were not the same thing. But you're you're still going to get filtered on that. That's part of the reason I think this is idiotic. Is because, like, I I know (laughs) exactly why it's idiotic. And I can express it in a 3D matrix. Um, (laughs) So, delving
0: kind of into what should be in your CV. This should contain... All of your work information and experience. Yeah. It is it is the big honking document that's got it all. It's the database that
1: contains everything. Yeah. And I'll also tell you this, like having that and being able to keep that up to date is extremely valuable. Especially if you do like I did and you've contracted a bunch of places. Because inevitably, about 8, 10, 12 years, somewhere in that time range in your career, you will come across you'll, you'll – you'll hit a little recession – And you'll have to apply somewhere that's like, list all your employers and their addresses and then their phone numbers and their dog's name since you got out of college. And if you want to try to get that job, you probably need that in one place ahead of time because it is horrendous to get it after that. Um, Now, people go, well, I wouldn't want that job. Well, here's the thing. If they're asking for that, most people aren't going to fill that in. That's an easier job to get if you have the data.
0: That's true. Most people, it's a filtering process. Plus, you just said it's a recession. Yeah. There aren't many jobs out there. So, you're, you know, yeah, yeah, you may not want that job, but it's a matter of you take the job that you can get to get through the recession until you can get the job you want.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is like you may, you may actually like that job. Because just because their HR department is incompetent doesn't, in fact, that can also make, that can make the, the computing department way better. because you know, all the people that are smart enough to get past that HR department work there.
0: Well, like I said before, I I purposefully planned on going into healthcare. You know, did not plan on working for the government
1: at all. Well, and I pushed you towards the healthcare thing.
0: Yeah, you did For the too, same reason. For the same reason, yeah. And you know what? I, I ended up, I was looking for a job as a developer.
1: Yeah. And well, I Well, really you liked- almost got a healthcare job too. Yeah. I mean, like right down the street from me.
0: Yeah, that's true. I really liked what I learned in the interview and things like that. And I was like, I wouldn't mind working here, you know, at least you know for a contract, and then get a contract you know, until I can get a healthcare job. And then I got in there and started working, and just
1: yeah, and like, like you,
0: to- you've heard me talk about just how much I really like what I do. Yeah, I mean, there's stressful times. There's <laughs> stressful times today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those messages were interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, and the thing with the CV is, is you can put stuff in there. In fact, you should, even if it's mm-hmm. stuff that you don't want to do. Because, for instance, okay, I don't, I don't ever want, you know, like as a day job, I don't want to deal with VB6. Like, that's, not my, that's not my jam. However, if somebody's converting something from VB6 to .NET, you know, now you know, I'm like, okay, I can, I can deal with it to move it. And I have that background experience. And it may be a company that I really, really want to get into. And so I want to have all this stuff here. Keep all the things where you can get to them, even if you don't think you're going to need them. There's a lot of stuff that early on I did not like, and I would have thrown that out. And now it's, yeah, okay, this is fine. Like for instance, my um, my Visual Basic experience has helped me a ton learning Delphi because Guess where Microsoft nicked those technologies from? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff in Delphi that's like, oh, that's like the do events keyword in VB. Because, yeah, they call it something else, but they stole it from there.
0: Yeah, that, that and, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you, you, you talk about VB, but I've got a lot of WordPress experience.
1: Yeah. And I get,
0: oh, my goodness, because it's on my LinkedIn, I get so many... People yeah. sending me emails about. WordPress I took it off. Jobs. I think I took
1: it off of mine um, because I was just like, "Yeah, this isn't. You know, this is creating a problem for me." Like I keep a copy of the CV elsewhere, so I guess my LinkedIn is not a perfect copy. It's still a projection of the real thing. Yeah. Because of that, because there's certain ones that you'll just get nailed on. But I, I keep as much of the stuff in one place as I can. And this is also where
0: you'll put non-tech jobs and things you've done too. Like my CV has all the jobs like has counseling at Vanderbilt. It has working in the emergency room it has managing um, uh, mental retardation facility.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've even pointed out that, you know, like my, my father has got a nursery and oil distributorship because of that. Um, you know, I'm partner in an agricultural commodities trading concern Yeah, um, because I have that background. I know enough of what's, what goes on in all this stuff that I, it can make, I can make sense of it. And that, you know, that helped me get that gig. And that's why, you know, when I went for the initial job that I worked with this guy on, that, you know, the agricultural experience came out. That's not something that a lot of programmers have because they grew up in suburbia. That's very true. And I had it. So, I threw it on there because it was of use. And then, you know, what, four years later, I mean, my, more than four years later.
0: My agricultural experience is uh, having a garden in the backyard every
1: year. Yeah. Which
0: is nowhere near the level because I, I looked into it when we were talking about you know building some IoT things.
1: Yeah, um, it's a whole other can of worms. It is.
0: It's. It's. And my dad now he's retired from preaching, but he kind of for fun and just to make a little extra cash works on his best friend's farm. Yeah, and you know he he's a big kid. He gets to drive around in big tractors and combines and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but he he tells me about it, and I'm like, dude, that is
1: a whole nother world. You just, you have no idea what, what is going to be useful. So keep all the, like, this is your junk drawer of experience. And then you pull Mm -hmm. the things out when you need them. Well, it's Uh, like I
0: was having a conversation with my executive director because I'm the only developer that has not been asked to be part of interviews. The main reason is all the interviews we've had, I've actually known somebody that was interviewing. Yeah. (laughs) But it was also brought up, well, you know, you don't have interviewing experience. I'm like, Yes, I do. I was a manager that hired and yeah. interviewed people, and it's not on my resume because it wasn't in IT and it was like 15 years ago.
1: Well, and you didn't want to, and you also didn't want to get pegged as an IT manager before you had the experience to back it up. That's true. That's right. That's, true. you know, that's dangerous. And that will, you know, we'll talk about that some other time, yeah. but. But that is on my CV. Yes. It needs to be because. You know, when I go for a management
0: job, I can say, look, I've got all of this, plus I've got management experience, plus the other things on my CV include like the trainings that I've been through. And you just
1: never know because you might be writing software for people going through that. Yeah. And if you go, hey, I've got experience in mental health institution management. Well, hey, our company's writing software for mental health institutions for the very people that did the job that you used to do. Well, crap! We'll hire you instead of this guy that's got farming experience, that, right? Like that, that makes sense. You know, it's a differentiator. You might as well have it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you got it. Um, the other thing I'll you know I'll like keeping track of like the previous employers and all that stuff. Keep all those bits together. Try to periodically troll through LinkedIn and you know or kind of pay attention if somebody changes positions. Like try to get that information moved so that you don't have to find it when the mm-hmm. time comes. Um, I do try to do that. I don't. I'm not doing a very good job of it right now because I'm pretty comfortable where I am.
0: I like to put things, just keep track of them. I mean, my CV is private, but on LinkedIn, just so that I don't forget to do it.
1: Yeah, or keep links to their profile yeah. so that you can quickly get yeah. it.
0: Like uh, LinkedIn will let you put courses and trainings that you've taken. Yeah. And so I keep track of those on there. Um, well, at least the current ones. I kind of redid my LinkedIn when I went to med school, so... The other thing you can put in there, too, is classes you took in college, um, especially if it was sort of a unique thing or something different, or just to say, hey, I've got experience in this, even though I haven't had a job that used it, I've got training in it. But basically, your CV needs to contain everything. It is the big document that you base your other stuff from. you're, You're going to build your resume off of that, to be specific to the company. So, what should be in your resume? The obvious thing is to list your previous work experience. You want to make sure to carefully place the appropriate keywords in here when you're doing this. Because as we've talked about, they are going to do keyword searches, both electronic and you know, in-person.
1: Yeah. And you know, honestly, if you're looking at what kind of com- company you're working for um, or you, that you want to work for, think about what keywords they want you may need to express that in a different way. You know, if they're, if they're kind of a stodgy corporate firm, you may say, okay, I have JavaScript experience. If they're like this new hip startup and you're, you, know, you may be applying to both at the same time, if it's, if, if it's a hip startup, you may say, I, I'm comfortable building single page applications in React. There's, there's more than one way to say this and you have to kind of target your audience a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. this is very much a marketing exercise.
0: And when listing your previous experience, try to focus more on what you've achieved rather than the tooling that you use to achieve it.
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody would hire a plumber that says, I'm really good with plastic pipes. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's like, no, I, 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 need, I need the dirty water to like, not be here mm-hmm. and you know, not you know, leak through the floor or whatever. Like, that's, it's like, okay, we, we, uh, you know, we plumbed this huge hotel. That's better than saying, "Yeah, I'm. I've got like four years experience with PVC and uh, flex pipe, and uh, a little bit of like I got like a year of experience with copper." Nobody's going to hire you. Don't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, list off what you've done and use that to talk about the technologies that you know. Right. You know, I can say I have built full stack applications all the way from writing the SQL in the database to the .NET web APIs to the Angular single-page application front-end.
1: Yeah, and all the CSS and crap that goes with it, too, at some level, because, um, I mean, at least I can say that. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've written written a lot
0: of CSS for other things. We actually have standards that we'd use that I don't have to write that. But, you know... Man, that must be glorious. It is wonderful to have a designer. (laughs) It really is. I, I have to say, it is it is awesome to have that. Like, well, one of the thing is we have we ha- it's the state, so we have standards. Everything has to look the same.
1: Ah, yeah. See, every place that I've worked has been twice that good because we've had double standards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice, <laughs> yeah, very nice, <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah, you can still mention the tools, right? And mm-hmm. you you have to to get the keywords in there, but just don't let it overwhelm the value of the experience, because these people are looking for value.
0: Well, you know, one thing, and I don't see this in here, so I'm going to mention it now. The one thing that a recruiter told me once is, have your resume tell a story. Yes. You know, at at this company, I did these things with these tools and get all that information out, but do it in such a way that it tells a story and they get an the HR manager can look at it and get an impression of what you've done and almost get an impression of you.
1: Yeah. And I think at some point we really need to, uh, we need to talk through like Joseph Campbell's hero of a thousand faces and like how to tell a story and like why this is so important for you. Because I mean, like this podcast has been telling your story and telling mine to a lesser extent. Like my journey is being your teacher because like that was hard for me, but you know, being my students got to be way worse.
0: <laughs> um, well, it, it's, it's told your story. I don't want to say through flashback, but it is
1: kind of through flashback. It, it, it's
0: like that. It's more through. <laughs> you weren't there, man. It's, <laughs> well, that's, uh, yeah. it, it's told your story more through guidance.
1: Yeah. And, you and know? the value of telling a story on a resume and I, and I saw some stuff that was talking about that and I couldn't figure out a way to put that in here
0: not not to bring up the the evil evil evilness that is the prequels but you know you are Qui Gon to my obi-wan
1: that's that's good i thought you were gonna say i was uh you know darth Plagueis the wise or something you know it's like <laughs> yeah you're kind of irrelevant but you're there <laughs> in the story somewhere thanks thanks man <laughs> um yeah, the other thing too, and and the story does this, but uh, looking for other uh, differentiators that can make you stand out a little bit. You know, you can mention hobbies and stuff. I wouldn't do it too much, but especially if it ties into work somehow, it's like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm really into weightlifting, and I wrote an app for this, and here's the GitHub. Like, if you can do that, that that humanizes you. It puts a hook. Or you know, if you're applying
0: to be. A developer for a mechanical place or a place that, you know, a a shop that sells parts online or something. You can talk about enjoying riding your motorcycle and stuff.
1: Right. And it's just, it's more of, you know, get a thing in there that humanizes you. Um, Mm -hmm. The worst thing in the world is to interview somebody and you look at them and you go, this person doesn't do anything else. Like I can't, I can't visualize what the income that they're getting is going to support other than the fact that they eat and they sleep and somewhere, you know, like, and it's weird, but like, if you give people a level, some level of participation or some window into things, they're way more accepting. And because most resumes are kind of sterile, that's a, that's a better way to differentiate yourself. Um, The job I have right now, you know, I had, I had the interview with, with Ben where he just absolutely raked me over the coals because I was his friend and he knew that I could handle it. Um, and then the interview with our manager, and then I had an interview with the owner of the company, and that interview was almost no computer science. Like, it went straight into biochem. Uh, you know, cell biology and biochem just immediately because he knew I had some of that background. Well, You
0: know what's funny is I only interviewed with one person. Yeah. Um, then what was, what was funny was the interview I had with the senior developers for the junior position, like, it, it was me, our director, um, because our manager had left, so we didn't have a manager, but our, our director, and then three senior developers. And I'd worked with all of them on different things. And we pretty much just, like, they had a list of questions. And about halfway through it, they're like, yeah, we've kind of already answered all these, just chatting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There are other people involved in the decision. Um, When you get a job, Mm -hmm. typically stories go around, right? That's why you want to hook them with a story. Your experience doesn't like that, that, that has no virality to it. Whereas going, Hey, this guy likes to ride motorcycles and da 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 And we talked, we joked about this. uh, Like that goes around the office before you get there. also makes it easier when you go in because people know what to have small talk with you about.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was the podcast guy. Yeah. You shouldn't include things in your resume that can be used to discriminate against you.
1: However, <laughs> you can include things if you think they're going to be used to discriminate for you. and people are you know there's there's somebody out there riding a the car that their knuckles just turned white and there was a sharp intake of breath. You're trying to get hired for a job. If you know that there's certain things that are going to bias the interviewer towards you, that's called marketing. Um, now there's there's some things that's like you should probably feel a little skeezy about in you know in some cases, but for the most part, you understand that people are going to go for whatever that is.
0: Yeah. Like if I were applying a big company here in Nashville is Lifeway, which is a Christian bookstore and multimedia and all sorts of stuff. If I were applying to them, yeah. I would go in there and I would talk about teaching Sunday school, about my dad being a preacher. Right. and Like I would emphasize my Christian
1: background. Right. Because it's an asset. Now, can they discriminate against you or for you for that? No. However, you know, all other things being equal, that positivity, like that will be like you will make a positive impression with that that isn't them going, Hey, because of this, I'm more sympathetic to this person. It's just like I'm more sympathetic to this person. They don't forget you know, they don't remember the uh, the, the previous thing that, that anchored that. No. Um, I'm not telling you to be, you know, skeezy and like try to get people to discriminate in your favor or anything like that. It's more of a thing of okay, how do I how do I shape the perception of me in such a way that I'm more likely to get the job? And so if you know that that thing will help you, you know, you can put references in there that are sort of oblique that they can that they'll see. Now you might also go, hey, I don't really want to be, be you know, like a place that would hire me for for this. I don't want to work there, and you may want to leave that out. But no. just be aware of how that plays, and understand that what the law says is the way things are, and what happens. Those two things—if you take those two sets—they don't overlap perfectly. That's that's very true. And you right? need to eat. Yeah,
0: and this kind of leads into the final point, which is how to stand out. And we've already talked about focusing on the value you provide rather than the tools. Needed to provide that value. You tell a story. Yeah. Talk about what you did. Talk about how you can help the company, help the industry by what you can do using those tools. Right. And that'll get the list of tools in there, but it talks about
1: the value well you bring. And, you, and the other thing, too, is when you do that, you're not selling. You're selling things, but you're not selling As far as like it being recognizable by other people, you're just having a conversation. Um, You know that's like that's like marketing 101. Is you know when you come across as the hard sell, you come across as desperate.
0: One thing I saw a lot of in interviews was almost them trying to get you to do this because they would ask, "Okay, well, what's you know?" There's your typical, "Okay, you know, what's a difficult situation? How did you handle it? But what's something you built with that?"
1: Well, the other thing too is you know people when they're in an interview, they don't want to sit there and go, "Well." If I go to lunch with this guy every day, what are we going to talk about? Is he going to sit there and eat his food and be completely silent because he literally has no social skills whatsoever? Most people are not going to go for that. Another thing, get your formatting right. Make your resume look decent. Don't cram so much stuff on the page. Um, you know, Fix your spelling. Um, try to have a little splash of color. You know, People print out black and white resumes. It's like, look, I, you know, I'm too cheap to have a color printer here. Um, and there's various reasons for that part of that is my wife's a teacher and she'll print everything out in color and then I'm spending an ungodly amount of money on printer cartridges. Whereas what I've got now, 70 bucks, like four years ago, still going, um, <laughs> you know, like that, that's a no brainer. But if I have to print a resume to get to somebody, I'm going to Kinko's and I'm going to print it out in color.
0: I don't think Kinko's exists anymore. Just
1: er- FYI. If I have to print a resume out in in color, I'm going to go to, you know, Office Depot or go to the UPS store or go to somewhere that has capability to actually make it look nice because it's a marketing piece. Yeah. Yeah. that makes sense.
0: You know, don't forget to take a few copies with you into the interview. This is really important because I have been in interviews where they had one copy of my resume that they were sharing between five people.
1: Yeah. And when I came in and – Saw that, I just handed them four more copies, yeah, and you come across as looking prepared. You also make the interview go more smoothly, like mm-hmm. people can get a perception of you that has nothing to do with you no, um, and i I wish more adults actually understood this, like you can go into a situation <laughs> right where you're you're doing everything right, but because the situation is awkward, people's perception of you is awkward,
0: and kind of the overall theme of the resume here has been. Make sure it is tailored to the company where you want to work. We've been talking about that pretty much the whole time, about tailoring it towards that company. Now, this episode is not intended to be a how-to guide for building a resume. There's plenty of those out there. There are even services that will build or edit your resume for you.
1: Yeah, I actually have looked into uh, you know, professional you know, resume building people. Yeah, Um, because like past a certain level, it's like, do I really want to spend the time to really do the research and do this or do I want to pay somebody that is probably a lower hourly rate? And it's it may be worth it at some level. I'm not sure if it's worth it at mine yet or not, but I've looked at it.
0: You know, we may be creating some how to material separate from the podcast at some point. For yeah. building a
1: resume. Yeah, because if we have to spend the time to create those materials, you're paying for them, buddy. <laughs> no, not really. Well, yeah, really. <laughs> you know,
0: this has been more of advice and guidelines to use when building your resume.
1: Yeah, and it's the stuff that doesn't get hit as well. I yeah. think especially like every cl- everybody that had a class where they learned how to build a resume, they didn't learn this in school. Very at least true. mine didn't. And yeah. I had you know I had a couple of business comp classes, and that just wasn't – that no. wasn't a focus. I mean, they kind of hit it peripherally, but they didn't beat it in your head how important that was. This is
0: mostly life lessons that you and I have learned over time. Yeah. But that yeah. pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trains?
1: Well, I want to address a attitude or a thought process that is not correct. Um, and it's I can prove it pretty well. I have a lot of conversations with developers that – you know, we, we've been talking about the whole value-based thing on your resume, like how you want to show the value you provide. One thing I've talked to developers about a lot is the idea of how your value comes out. A lot of people seem to really un, you know, really misunderstand how, um, how you provide value to an organization or how you provide value to a product. For instance, I have talked to developers who think that a product is worth X amount because it costs you know, X minus some value to make. And that's that's kind of a widespread thought process. Is okay. It cost me, you know, it cost me this amount to make it. Therefore, its value is more than that. And I'm going to tell you that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And, and and there's a lot of reasons for it. But especially in software, and the reason is is okay. Let's say it costs you a hundred thousand dollars to build this piece of software. So you build one, you know, you build one copy for somebody. It costs a hundred thousand dollars for for you to build it. So therefore, it's worth a hundred thousand plus something. Copying software is free. So now, if I make two copies. Each one's worth $50,000, right? So therefore, as the number of copies approaches infinity, the value of the software approaches zero. That is how math works, yes. Right? Like, think about the premise here. The premise is basically if enough copies of my software go around, you know, it has no value. Now, does a Linux operating system have value?
0: Depends on which distro.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hey, don't be, <laughs> don't be beating up on Fedora now. No, I'm just I, have,
0: I have the beard to make that comment.
1: Yeah, you do. But right, like value is not determined by what you put into something. It's determined by what somebody else gets out of it. In other words, it's it will it will rise to the price that the market will take. If you think that the value is what you put into it, it's very easy to either spend too much building something or to undervalue yourself. And one of those two things is more than likely what's going to happen. You're very unlikely to be accurate and be just where you need to be. Whereas the whole price discovery thing works out that the value that your stuff provides to somebody else drives the price. If you do that, you've got a better guide of things because you they also know how much that it's going to save them or they shouldn't be buying it. They know what it's worth to them. If that if that makes any sense, so try to shift your thinking that way and you'll you'll be better off. I don't know. I don't know of another way to put it. Like. The real root of it all is the labor value or the labor theory of value. Um, And and I will point out where this came from. Uh, It came from a book by a very heavily bearded man named Karl Marx. Now, whatever else you may think of him, one of the things that Karl Marx thought of as evil was profit. Do you want to build a system that makes you your living based on the thoughts of a man who thought profit was evil? I I think that's somewhat contraindicated. Just a little bit. Just just be aware of that. Like, Think about the value you provide in terms of what someone else can capitalize it for, not on what you put into it. And that, that will make a lot more sense to you. you make more money. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment for us, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed under Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up to our email list, be sure and check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with the news about the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time.